0: Turn in your Bible with me to 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. As you're turning there, in the video clip that we just saw, there were a lot of things that it said that people used to identify who they are. The two that stood out to me today were your experiences and your mistakes. We could lump those into one word and say your past. In the past... Many of us have had experiences that kind of put a label on us. In the past, we've experienced some things and it's told us something about ourselves. And it's almost like it becomes kind of stuck to us. Just the thought of some of those things from the past makes some of you feel guilty or ashamed or unworthy. When people think of the past, they often think of it and feel are embarrassed. Even after coming to Christ, there are some things that people say, well, will things ever change for me? Is there anything I can do to go back and make it different? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but really, I'm a... And you can fill in the blank. One of the things, I really appreciate AA whenever it's done properly, the good things that they teach. But one of the things that they say is they say, and I'm an alcoholic. And I understand why they're saying that. But there's a part of that that I don't agree with. There's a part of that that I don't like. Because there's a lot of things that I used to be. But since Jesus came into my heart, and I know this, I know that if I'm not careful, if I allow my old man to take over, I'll go back to what I was. If I don't allow As an answer to that fear. The scripture says that perfect love casts out all fear. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says, And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. What do we rely upon? What love? The love that God has for us. We talk about love being something that out there. We know and we rely on the love God has for us. What do we rely upon? Do we rely upon how much I can love? No. We rely upon the love that God has for us. The scripture says that God is love. He embodies everything that love is. He is the perfect essence of love. He's all that is we're not going to be judged in that way. We have been brought from death into life. And so we have confidence. He goes on to say, in this world, we are like Jesus. We already, listen to me, we already, while we live in this world, are already like Jesus. We have been redeemed by his blood. His righteousness has been imputed to us by faith. So when we believe upon what Jesus did on the cross, the righteousness of Jesus is credited to your account. Okay? The challenge for us is we look at ourselves and we don't always see ourselves the way that God sees us. We see ourselves as having a deficit. We see ourselves as falling short. It's kind of like when you don't know that there's more money. How many of you ever had, some of you maybe, maybe it's been a when you didn't realize you had another hundred bucks in the bank. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's like, hey, there's another. of us. You see, when we become born again, it does not go with who we are anymore. Immorality doesn't go with who we are because we've been born of the Spirit of God and he lives inside and dwells inside of you and I. Notice what he says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And I think when we talk about perfect love, I think a lot of times we think That our love has to be perfect. No. Your love isn't perfect. My love isn't perfect. It is love that is towards us. When it has reached its fruition. When it's grown inside of us. When it's allowed the chance to get inside of us. And to grow and to reach its perfection. That's what drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who has not made perfect in love. God's love has not been able to mature in their lives to this point where they understand, where they both experience and know the depth of God's love for them. Why do we have confidence? What do we rely upon? We rely upon the love that God has for us. God's love is made complete. As I said, it reaches its maturity when we know it, rely on it and rest in it. So as a result, when his love does its work in our hearts, fear is expelled. You and I can't continue to allow the enemy, or even our own minds, to put those labels that it often puts upon us. Just very quickly, you don't have to say for yourself, what do you think are some of the labels that the enemy? Pray, and the enemy says you're fake. No, you kidding? And you're trying to be all spiritual. We're like, well, yeah, I'm trying, really. I'm trying. He brings all of these accusations against us, and he brings up our past. And he loves to, the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. If it was only the enemy, that would be okay. That would be okay. The Bible says if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. Unfortunately, many of us have. Over the years, begun to say those things to ourselves. We heard it once. You know, if you hear a lie enough times, you start to believe it. Or you ever hear some of these dumb sayings that people will say, and they act like they say it with such confidence, and they act like it's the Bible. And people are like, yeah, 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 and you're like, it's not true. That's not what the Bible says. But people will quote it, and if you hear something long enough, people just start to believe it. That's why you need to be in the Word. The unfortunate thing is I said is a lot of times these thoughts will come into our minds. A situation. The enemy has said at some point in the past you gave up. And so the enemy will come to you. And you're now you're facing a challenge and you know, say, You're a quitter. You can't do it. You don't have what it takes. You know, you know, you know. You're not haven't really changed. There's nothing different in you. You're going to be like your old man. You're going to be like your mom. You're going to be like, and those things, those things just start replaying again and again. It's almost like in our brains, the neurotransmitters of those things, it's almost like our brains have ruts in it. And whenever we face a certain challenge, it kind of just puts us back into that rut that says, you don't have what it takes You're not good enough. You're not spiritual enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not this. You're not that. You can't grow that business. You can't get that degree. You can't have a good marriage. Your parents' marriage is stunk and yours is going to stick to you. You might as well quit. All of these things where the enemy brings these accusations. The funny thing is, is we start believing them. And then we start saying them to ourselves. At some point along the way, we have to. Confront these voices, and we have to say, No, that's not right. At some point, your life will not change until you confront the voices. Your kids' life won't change until we confront the voices and speak the truth. I'm down at the bank, and as I make my deposit, as I start to leave, as I start to leave, I'm walking out. Yeah, it's fine. I haven't said anything to anybody, it just was nice to tell her. I haven't said anything to anybody. And as I walk by this guy, I hear this guy mumble. And he mumbles something to the effect, oh, I can't say what he said. It's so about URA. And so I'm walking by. It's like three steps and it like registers in my head. And instantly something, like the oh, Spirit of the Lord rose up in me. <laughs> there It was this instantaneous thing where I took about, like I said, I'm, all, I'm like, huh? I turned around and stopped and I came back to him. I said, excuse me, what did you say? I wasn't smiling then. I said, did you have something you want to say to me? I said, I didn't think you did. Then I smiled real big. And I walked out. I wish someone had told me a long time ago. I don't think we don't have to confront everybody We don't have to be rude to people. We can be nice to people. We should be kind to people. We should turn the other cheek. But there's a lot of accusations that come our way. I wish someone would have told me whenever I was about seven or eight years old it's okay to confront words that are said to you that you hear that aren't true. As a kid, I was always taught I just keep your mouth shut. I just ignore people, ignore the situation, ignore things. Now, I'm not saying we're going out and arguing with people, but I am saying to you there's a lot of people that that's the way the enemy has made accusations against you, and you just tried to ignore it. And it's said over and over again you're a failure, you're a cheater, you're a liar, you've not changed, ah, you're a pervert, you're sick, you're this, you're that, again and again. And so instead of us confronting that and saying, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We just let them say whatever they want, and before long, we start to believe those things. And before long, we start saying them. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want you to leave here today, knowing that it's completely right and acceptable. Whenever a lie comes at you, whenever a voice tears you down to say, what did you say? I don't think you're talking to me, because I know who I am. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. His blood, what about my sins? My sins have been covered by His blood. He has blotted out all of my sin. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But we keep hearing, you're a quitter, you're a liar, you're a cheat, you were this, you were that you've not changed before long, we start saying it. Worse off, we start believing it. The Bible says that they believe a lie we're damned. So we don't want to believe lies. We want to hear about the truth of God's word that's about us. So here's God's truth for you today. You are forgiven. Look at that person next to you say, I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. As I was praying, I felt very strongly that God wants you to know. Whenever I do my messages, pray about them and And I really felt like God gave me a word for somebody. It may not be for everybody, but I believe it's for somebody. And this is what I sensed. I sensed God saying to tell them that I do not hold it against them. The problem is that they've been trying to avoid me and won't let me get close to them or listen long enough for me to tell them. So you tell them today that I forgive them. That it's over. That they don't have to stay away or feel awkward in my presence any longer. And if that's for you, whatever your past is, that's what it is. God has, has forgiven you. But it's over. You don't have to keep bringing it up. You don't have to keep reliving it. You don't have to keep telling everybody about it. You don't have to try to keep working to earn His love and His forgiveness. He has already given it to you. It's yours in Christ Jesus. It belongs to you. We're going to look at some scriptures. And if you don't mind, would you jot these down? The first one is this. It's this principle of this. That I have been redeemed... And forgiven of all of my sins. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm unworthy. And we have songs about being unworthy. You know, I'm all of this negative stuff. I'm just a piece of garbage. I'm this, I'm that. Somehow that makes us spiritual. Actually, I'm worthy because Jesus paid the ultimate price for my sin and for yours. He set your value. He said that the only thing in all of the universe that could compare to your worth or your value was the blood of his son. What the father said was the blood of his son. Jesus said that your life was worth dying upon a cross. That your life was... That your healing was worth taking the stripes upon his back. That you were worth being beaten beyond the point of human recognition. That you were worth bearing the sins of all the world upon his back. So when you go around and say, I am unworthy, you're believing a lie. Jesus makes you worthy. He's the one who establishes your value. So don't keep saying that stuff. I'm just dirt, I'm just nothing. No, you are precious, and you are honored in his sight. If you're saying you're not worth anything, then you're saying that his sacrifice on Calvary wasn't worth anything. And his blood that he shed wasn't worth anything. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. What does it say? If I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. I'm not the same man that I was. When you came home from giving your life to Jesus, you were not the same person any longer. The old has gone. The enemy wants to keep accusing you and bring it to your mind. But the Bible says that the old is gone, the new has come. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says that he has rescued us from the dominion. ...into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You have been purchased. You have been redeemed. The price has been paid for you. And the price that was paid for you was the life of Christ Himself. Your sins have been forgiven. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says this. And all of you could probably quote it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins... And purify us from all unrighteousness. But here's the thing, a lot of times people, will, they will have confessed their sin, but yet they still feel guilty. They still feel accused. They still feel that there's something else that I must do. Well, what can you do to add to your salvation? Well, I confess to my pastor, and I confess to God, and I confess to the people who I' wronged. Maybe there's something else that I need to do. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just. So when you have an accusation or a condemning thought that comes into your mind that says you've not been forgiven, you can know for sure that it's a lie from the enemy because God's word says that if you confess it, he's faithful and just. And he forgives us. Okay? And he cleanses us. So I've been redeemed and forgiven about all my sins. Secondly, God doesn't even remember my sin. The person, he already forgot about it. Wow. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake. I want you to notice that. Here's why we're forgiving people. Because God is a forgiving God. It's his character. It's not how good you were. It's not how well you perform. It's his character to forgive. And so, for my own sake, and remembers your sin, what does it say? God forgets your sin. And people say, well, how is that possible? A lot of times we go to God and we want to talk to him about some things from the past. And here's the reality. God ought to be like, what are you talking about? God, you know, you know what I am you know, when I was 17. Right, God, you know, you know what I did. And honestly, God says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. So some of you who have, you would say, well, pastor, I have a checkered past. Well, God doesn't know that. Huh? He has chosen to forget, to remember your sins no more. He has eradicated them. They have been washed in the blood. He does not see them any longer. When you go to talk to him about it, you're the one bringing it up. It's not him. They are under his blood. When you keep bringing them up to him, are you saying to him that the blood of his son Jesus is not enough to take away your sins? Is that what you're saying to him? Are you saying that the sacrifice on Calvary was not sufficient enough to cover and eradicate your unrighteousness? No matter how unrighteous you were, the blood of Jesus, his righteousness, far surpasses all of that. Psalms 103, verse 8, it says, For the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Well, no, he's always mad at me. That's what I was told. He's always disappointed with me. For me, that's not what it says. It says, "For the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west." So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Those things of your past, the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed them from you. You're no longer connected with them. I don't know why you think you are. But the blood of Jesus has broke that connection between you and them. He has separated those things from you. Okay? So you may want, in your mind, your mind, keeps telling you that you are, but the word of God says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I want to say again, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Many of us think that eventually we'll get ours. Eventually it'll catch up to us. Eventually I'll have to pay for my mistakes or for what I've done. That's what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. He paid the price for your sin and mine. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Hebrews 10, 16, it says this. This is the covenant. I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them in their minds. Then he adds their sins and lawless acts. I'll keep reminding them about every few months. He says, their sin and their lawless acts, I will remember, no, no longer any sacrifice for sin. Listen, there's no need for you to try and find a way to make up to God for what you have done wrong in your past. You say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to spend a lifetime of trying to pay God back. We serve Him out of a heart of love. It's not trying to earn His love or His favor again. And then the final thing is this. Jesus defends me when I sin. I thought he turned away from me. I thought he was mad at me. I thought he doesn't want anything to do with me when I sin. You know, that's the thing I shared with you I felt like was from the Lord. That tendency of us to avoid God. I don't want to be reminded of what I've done. I don't want to get too close because maybe he'll reject me. But listen, Jesus defends me when I sin. First John chapter two, verse one. My dear children, I write this so you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The Bible speaks of God about being righteous judge. And the Bible speaks of the enemy as being the accuser of the brethren. And so in our minds, we have this image of God being the judge and Satan being the prosecuting attorney, and Jesus being the defense attorney. And whenever the enemy brings an accusation against us, Jesus simply stands up and opens up his hands, and those nail prints are reminders I paid the price for their sin. He stands up in our defense. Some of you have had times where no one defended you. Some of you have had situations in life where someone should have came to your defense, but no one did. But Jesus stands up in our defense when we sin, even when we sin. Think about that. And he stands before the Father and he says, But my blood, I sacrifice for their sins. I paid the price. Yes, they deserve punishment. All you have to do is look at my hands and look at my feet. And you'll see that the punishment has been inflicted upon Christ himself. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, when we find ourselves where we have been forgiven, but the enemy comes in and he brings the accusations against us, or we've done something again, we've fallen short of the glory of God. for us is to stay away from church, to stay away from the Word. Maybe if we do come to church, to not really press in. But the Scripture says that we're to repent, we're to turn to God. In other words, when you have sinned, what you need to do is a lot of times we've turned our face away from God. We simply need to turn and direct our attention back to Him. That's what we need to do. We need to turn to the Lord so that times of refreshing can come to you. Our sins separate us from the Lord. Our sins suck the life out of us. And the spirit of the Lord gives life to us. And so it says that when you turn to the Lord, when you turn back towards him, times of refreshing may come. As we close, this is what i want to ask you. I want you to leave this place knowing that no matter what you've done, the blood of Jesus is more than enough to cover any of your sins. That when you honestly repent and you turn to him, that he erases your sins as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. He's forgiven us. When you leave here, I want you to know some of the things that you've been talking to God about for the past 15 years or five years. He don't know what you're talking about. He's already forgotten about it. He's ready to move on. Let's talk about something else. Let's focus our attention upon something else. Because he's forgiven you and you allow his love to be made perfect in your life. That's who you're going to become. You're not going to be someone who's a slave to bitterness and resentment and anger and frustration. Yeah, there'll be times you'll have to speak to somebody, but you'll be done then. There's going to be times you'll need to address things, but you're going to have peace in your heart. Things are no longer going to control you. You're no longer going to be a slave to hurt feelings and resentments and anger. But you're going to be free. Because the scripture says, even the Son sets free. It's free indeed. Today as you leave here, know this, you've been forgiven. Jesus' blood has covered your sins. And you have peace with God through what Jesus did on the cross. Father, I thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. I thank you that you give us peace with you. Now I ask as we leave this place, that that reality would sink deep into our heart, that we would believe you more than we believe our feelings or our emotions. Because we've been forgiven, Lord. Let us live a life of forgiveness. And we'll thank you and praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.